Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. I'm Leslie Marshall on the West Coast. He's Brad Bannon on the East here on the only true democracy in talk radio. Friday the 13th, but no bad luck here. I don't think, I'm not superstitious. We'll see if Brad is. Brad is president and CEO and runs Bannon Communications Research. They're a polling message development and media firm which help uh, labor unions, progressive issue groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. Joining us from our nation's capital, I'm here in the city of Angels and a lot of Botox and breast implants. Leslie Marshall, along with my co-host and partner in crime, Brad Bannon. Brad, you're in uh, D.C. this week, right? Yeah, I'm in our nation's capital, and uh, the, this place is so lives in a bubble. There are only two things anybody has talked about in the week I've been down here. Uh, the Iran letter from the GOP senators and, of course, Hillary Clinton's email. Uh, so uh, that oh, that's all I know of that, that's happened in the world this week. Uh, I'm total, uh, totally uh, with you. I was there, as you know, last week. I didn't get to see you because you were up in Beantown. Uh, but, uh, you know, no big surprise there. Let's talk about some other issues then. Let's talk about, we talked about here on the program yesterday, the 47, uh, you know, uh, GOPers. By the way, but um, let me see. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. We'll get to that because we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, let's talk about a NASA administrator. A NASA administrator has given Ted Cruz a lesson in how science works. And there are a lot of people on the left that feel people on the right, especially Tea Party types, need a lesson in how science works, especially with climate change. But this is uh, much uh, different. Senator Ted Cruz no- feels that NASA should spend less time studying the planet and more time finding ways to go into space. Um, let's talk about this. And this is a guy. How does a guy who is so ignorant about space get to be the Senate of the Space Science and uh, Competitiveness uh, Subcommittee? Um, I, 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 I don't get that. Uh, and, and well, uh, you know, he basically looks at the Peter principle. Uh, you, you, you reach your level of highest incompetence. That, that's where Cruz is now. Okay, so let's talk about this. He's chair of the Senate Space Science and Competitiveness Subcommittee. He addressed concerns at a hearing yesterday. The um, request by NASA is for $18.5 billion for their budget, and that's for the fiscal year for NASA for 2016. And he asked NASA Administrator Charles Bolden what he thought NASA's, quote, core mission was. And then uh, the NASA Administrator Charles Bolden answered, quote, our core mission from the very beginning has been to investigate, explore space in the Earth environment and to help us make this place a better place. But that didn't satisfy Ted Cruz, did it? So he goes on to say, quote, Almost any American would agree that the core function of NASA is to explore space. That's what inspires little... Oh, yeah, yeah, let, let's do that. Sorry, guys, that's right. We do have audio. Let's hear, let's hear Ted Cruz say it, because we all love his voice so much. Anyway, go ahead. 
There's no doubt that there are multiple important priorities within NASA, but, but I would suggest that, that almost any American would agree that the core function of NASA is to explore space. That's what inspires little boys and little girls across this country. It's what sets NASA apart from any other agency is the mission that has landed man on the moon, that has the potential to explore new worlds beyond our imagination. And you and I have had this conversation yes, many sir. times. Uh, and, and you know that I am concerned that NASA in the current environment has lost its full focus on that core mission. The fact that Earth science has increased, um, I, I, I'm proud to say, um, it has enabled us to understand our planet far better than we ever did before because it's, it's absolutely critical. And that's well, just looking at our environment, trying to make sure that we have a, a better place for all of us in which to live, and I, I, I think I, that's I'm, critical. We can't go anywhere if the Kennedy Space Center goes underwater and we don't know it. And that's, that's understanding our environment. So as Senator Nelson said, it is absolutely critical that we understand Earth's environment because this is the only place that we have to live. Having had an opportunity to view it from a place where I look around, I'm not sure anybody else in here has had that opportunity. Uh, we've got to take care of it. And the only way we can take care of it is that we know what's happening. And the only way we know what's happening is to use instruments that we develop in NASA. And, and we do it better than anybody else. I'm proud to say that. I, I always come and brag on my, on my workforce. We do it better than anybody else in the world. And that allows us to get data to you and members of the Congress and the administration who make decisions. Uh, you know, we don't make decisions. We don't give you opinions. We give you data. Uh, Brad, um, again, is this the right guy to be, you know, on this committee at all in the position that he is? And does this just show the ignorance, not just of Ted Cruz, but many who follow uh, the mindset of Ted Cruz with regard to science exploration and funding for such programs like NASA uh, in well, the nation's first, budget? To answer your first question, he's not the man who should be uh, uh, chairing the subcommittee, oversight committee for NASA. Uh, of course, if you ask me, I don't think he even belongs in the United States Senate. But the, you know, but the reason he is chair of the uh, NASA Oversight Committee is because Ted Cruz, the, the opinion on the issue, is pretty much the same as all the other Republican senators. Uh, the chairman of the Senate Environmental Committee from Oklahoma, um, I'm trying to think of that, uh, Imhoff, is a climate denier. And he's the top senator on environmental policy. And they're all like that. And that's just, and they're, you know, the other thing that bothers me about, well, about 80 things bother me about this. But one of the things is Ted Cruz is not a stupid man. If I'm not mistaken, he has a Ivy League law degree. And he knows, he knows that just about every scientist in the world believes that climate change is happening, and it's man-made. But despite that, uh, he just wants to act like a demagogue uh, and, you know, toady to the Tea Party people uh, who don't want to do anything to protect the environment. Uh, and it's irresponsible, uh, because the NASA chairman is right. Uh, NASA does a great job uh, measuring climate change, and we need to do that because it's a big threat. 
And, you know, if it was up to Ted Cruz, we wouldn't know anything about it. And just not knowing about something, not knowing about a problem, doesn't make it go away. It just makes it a bigger threat. Well, you know, you were talking about his education, and uh, yes, he graduated cum laude from Princeton University with a B.A. in public policy from the Woodrow Wilson School of Public and International Affairs. And when he was there at Princeton and competed for the American Whig uh, Cleosophic Society's debate panel, he actually won the top speaker award at both the U.S. National Debating Debating Championship and the North American uh, Debating Championship. He was even named U.S. National Speaker of the Year and Team of the Year with his debate partner um, and a semifinalist at the World's Debating Championship. That made him Princeton's highest-ranked debater at the championship, and uh, they actually later named their annual Novice Championship after him. And I say that because I've debated, and you don't, you don't get into Princeton being an idiot. You don't remain there and graduate cum laude being an idiot. And you certainly uh, can't get up so high. I mean, you, you could, I guess you could be – I can't say that you could be stupid. You could be a very good speaker but not as knowledgeable on issues. But you don't get into and graduate from Princeton cum laude uh, being a moron. No, he's a very intelligent man, and this is pure demagoguery. And the reason he's demagoguing this issue is because he's running – for the Republican nomination for the presidency, and he's trying to appeal to the know nothing Tea Party crowd, where they deny there are any you know there are any environmental problems at all. Uh, the climate isn't changing as it is; has nothing to do uh, with uh, man-made activity. Uh, so it's pure demagoguery. He knows better, and it's a danger because this is a serious problem, and ignoring it will not make it go away. It, and crew should know, if you look at the weather in Texas in the last few years, they've had droughts. They've had massive fires, uh, forest fires, and this is all climate change. Even though it's in, you know destroying his own state, he chooses to ignore it uh, and just play politics with the, issue, with the issue, which is completely irresponsible. And even climate change aside, you hear the defense by Mr. Bolden. There is work that NASA does here on Earth. They compile data on our planet's air pollution via satellite. Uh, they engage in research on new forms of energy. And again, a lot of people believe in less dependency on oil, regardless of their belief on climate change or what created climate change if they believe it's not humanly uh, produced. Um, but, um, of course, they do control and hold the ice melt data and are a key agency with regard to climate change and information that we obtain, uh, scientific factual information that we obtain on climate change. Do you think, Brad, this is part of it, though, that you can say climate change isn't real if you try not to give funds to an organization that's going to give more scientific, scientific evidence that it is and that you're wrong? Oh, that's absolutely a reason. Uh, you know, if... If we let, if he let NASA spend as much money as it wants on, you know, studying climate change, uh, and the the the, uh, the research became public, the uh, the part the Senate would actually have to act and do something about climate change, and that's the last thing they want to do. They just don't want to, you know. They hope it, you know. They want to pretend it doesn't exist and go away. Because what will take, it will take a massive environmental effort that the Republicans don't want to undertake. And so the best way to avoid undertaking the serious uh, programs that we need to deal with the issue 
We just pretend that the, the, the problem just doesn't exist. And, and that's an, and another thing. Cruz didn't even specifically mention NASA's studies on climate change in the hearing, even though he's been very outspoken on this issue before. Last year, he said the Earth had experienced, quote, no record warming over the last 15 years. Uh, scientists dismiss uh, that claim. Um, and um, uh, the hottest year on record, as we know, last year, 2014, according not just to NASA, but the NOAA. He even jokes about weather, uh, but didn't even bring it up. Interesting. Yeah, he didn't bring it up, but I, you know, my sense is uh, I read the uh, the newspaper story about the airing, and that that's where he was going, uh, because basically, you know, his argument is NASA should step to outer space and you know not you know study the Earth's core climate, uh, and you know he didn't you know the reality is he doesn't want anybody. He doesn't want any science that shows there's an uh, energy cli- there's an energy uh, an environmental change problem, and so he just wants to scan NASA away from doing that kind of research, so we can all live in a, a, a what's that called uh, ignorance is bliss, and that's what it is here. Let's pretend there's not a problem, so don't let NASA study it. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll continue to talk to Brad Bannon. And when we come back, we'll check in and chat, chat a little bit about Hillary Clinton and those emails and that server. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon, co-hosting Hour 2 every Friday on the only true democracy in talk radio. Pick up the phone and join us, 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon. I'm in Los Angeles. He's in our nation's capital in Washington, D.C. Brad, thanks for holding as always, buddy. Welcome back. Um... We talk about emails, and a lot of people are angry, obviously, over deleted emails, which I understand uh, by experts and those in forensics, it's very hard to really completely delete everything, and almost anybody would be able to retrieve deleted emails, especially if you had access to one server. So the first thing, are you surprised that Hillary Clinton didn't say, hey, take the server, I've got nothing to hide, because I don't think she's dumb enough to write down anything that she would want to hide. Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's a good point. I mean... If I was advising uh, Secretary Clinton, I'd tell her to release everything. And the reason I say that is, first of all, there may be some emails that come to that come to life that are embarrassing or anything. But it's also going to show uh, that Hillary Clinton uh, is a mother uh, who, you know, was excited about Chelsea's wedding. It's also going to show uh, the emotional struggles that uh, Hillary Clinton had when her mother died. There may be embarrassing emails there, but it would also show that Hillary Clinton is not a robot. Uh, So, you know, it's up to me. I would just release everything and take your lumps now, and a month from now, no one will be even thinking about it. Do you think that she is not releasing simply because she's concerned that something might come out personal with regard to her health. Uh, because I say, I don't care if it's Secret Service. After you look at, you know, what's happening in, the, in that regard. Um, I, I don't, you know, care if it's FBI. Whatever somebody reads could be leaked with the amount of leaking and level of transparency uh, in America today, especially in an election where there are people that would pay big bucks to prevent this woman from being the Democratic nominee. Yeah. Well, this is my this is what I think is is going on in her mind. If you read uh, the history of her husband's presidential administration, uh, whether it was Whitewater or Monica Lewinsky or whatever, 
Hillary was the all, always the one in the White House who was telling Bill, we've got to stonewall this. We can't, you know, release the tax records or whatever it was. Uh, it's not to me. It's not no one's business but ourselves. And I think that's what she's doing here. Uh, again, in the White House, the Bill Clinton. Is, is it sort of like, remember that movie with Joan Allen? I, I say it all the time, The Contender. Is it sort of like the principle? Yeah, The Contender, yeah. It's the principle of it. Yeah, I think it's. I think it is, and I think the other thing is Hillary Clinton hates the media. She really does with a passion, and that is largely a function of what she went through during the Monica Lewinsky thing. She just hates the media, and she doesn't want to give them anything. But doesn't she know that she can use and needs to learn to use the media to be her friend? Well. Maybe she does intellectually, but the way she handled this is a good example. Uh, she waited eight days to have this press conference. Uh, the people uh, who were running their campaign, John Podesta especially, put, were telling Hillary that she needed to get the, you know have a press conference the day after the day after the story broke. But she refused. I don't want to talk to the press. I don't want to talk to anybody about this. And it took them eight days to convince her to do it. Now, if they'd done it, if they'd done this press conference on day two, it might have blown away by now. Uh, but she gave the story more oxygen by waiting eight days to comment on it. And she just has a horrible hatred of the media. And if she's going to get elected president, she has to get over it. Are these deleted emails an issue? Because my thing is, if they give, if they serve a subpoena, which they might, because they've got a hard on, and she's going to be the candidate at least as of now, um, and they get the uh, the server, and I want you to answer this after the break, they can't even go through all those emails, even five months worth, perhaps in the time, uh, you know, that the election would take place. She could already be president by the time it's done. We'll be back with Brad Bannon, going to get his take on it, but we want yours as well. Eight 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 six Leslie. Eight 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 six five three seven five four three. Don't go away. Hey there, I'm Leslie Marshall, he's Brad Bannon, and reminding you that 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance at geico.com. Brad, thanks for holding, and welcome back. Um, Even if they were able to retrieve the server uh, via subpoena, well, first of all, do you think they'll issue a subpoena? And if they do, will they be able to get through the emails in time for the election? And if they do, will they find anything? Well, first of all, I think right now uh, the Republicans are in their seventh uh, House committee investigating Benghazi. Uh, And the chairman of the new Benghazi committee, to distinguish it from the six before it, uh, has said he is going to uh, subpoena uh, the hard drive to see if there's anything on there about Benghazi. Uh, So, yeah, now whether... Uh, a judge uh, orders her to turn them over. Um, and again, there's the question you raise, which is how long it's going to take. It's probably going to be a long, complicated process. Also, how do you distinguish what's personal from professional without reading all of it? And what if she or Bill used each other's email account on occasion, a former President Clinton, and she apparently uh, share a server, and that server could also have information regarding the Clinton Foundation. So that definitely would be uh, the, the uh, if the subpoena is uh, allowed by a judge, like you said, and it may be very specific in nature, correct? Well, I would think it'd have to be. Remember, what, one of the, um, the argument that 
Hillary is making, and it's a good one, is that, uh, and she said this during a press conference, I don't want people reading my personal thoughts about Chelsea's wedding or my mother's death. And, you know, I want to interrupt. There are those strategists that say the three things she mentioned, mentioned daughter's wedding, mother's death, and yoga were very calculated because there are people that think she's too old to run and attack her health and her, her uh, anything you can attack a woman for. Um, do you think those were calculated or do you think that that was, those are just, you know, she used yoga as an example, but that Chelsea and her mother, those are things she's very, very private and guarded about. Let me answer the question this way, Leslie. Um, if it was my server they wanted to subpoena, I wouldn't want them reading about, you know, my thoughts when, uh, my daughter gets married, she hasn't gotten married yet, but if she had, I wouldn't want them to read my thoughts about my daughter's marriage, and I certainly wouldn't want them to read about my thoughts, uh, at the time of my mother's death. And, okay. You know, you know Hillary And if, and, and so she's, ba- so you, so you, so you, you buy it. Do you think most people bought it, left or right? Or just, just uh, those that hate her, just it's more reason to hate her, and those that like her really don't care? I think most Americans just don't care. Uh, and I think this presents this whole issue of Hillary's emails also present a problem for Republicans. And the problem is, I remember the day after the press conference, like which was Wednesday, uh, I saw a headline in the Washington Post which says, GOP demands Clinton emails. That's, yeah. And all I saw was, when I saw that headline was, you know, the Republicans would be in a lot better shape if they could get a headline which said GOP demands immigration reform. <laughs> well, true. Let's get back to the emails. You're a good predictor. Right now, two polls, one of which the end and the other the end as well, one from Gallup and one from Wall Street Journal slash NBC, not – at the end and after, but during the development of, and it was out there, especially at the end of one of the uh, polls and during the entire other poll um, about these emails, the polls just, I have never seen a bar graph like that. Do you know what I mean? Where it's sort of like Hillary Clinton takes up the whole chart and every Republican yeah. can't, you know, the Republican can't touch her, never never mind another Democratic nominee, they're not even on, they, they don't even have enough of a percentage to get on the page. Um, how much is this going to knock her down from that huge 83% of Democrats, according to the Wall Street Journal, um, uh, NBC uh, poll, NBC News poll, uh, that showed Democrats would vote for her when two or three out of days of that polling period uh, were when uh, there was knowledge of those emails? In other words, if there's an email, if there's a poll after the email and after her press conference, is she going to take a hit? And if so, how much? Uh, I think what's going to happen is – uh, in the next round of national polls, you see, uh, she's going to take a hit. Uh, a month later, uh, her favorability will climb back to where it is now. Uh, and, and there's a reason why that will happen. The Republicans will beat this issue to death. That's all they're going to talk about. And after a time, the Americans are going to say, why are the Republicans – 
they'll say essentially, I'm tired of hearing the Republicans bellyache uh, about Hillary's emails. I'd rather hear them talk about what they do for the economy or to improve education. So at, in the long, the short term, it may hurt, but in the long term, uh, it will hurt the GOP more than it hurts Hillary. You really believe that? Yeah, I do, yes. And, I mean, the proof is Benghazi. I mean, they've been beating up her on Benghazi for how many years now? And there's no evidence in any national survey that I've ever seen that beating her up on Benghazi has caused her any political damage. When we look at, I mean, is she still, in your, right now, in your prediction, going to be the Democratic nominee? Oh, yeah, I yeah, I don't think anybody else is even running, so yes. Oh, okay. And um, this is not her swift boat. Excuse me? This is, I always say this, I say this is not Hillary Clinton's swift boat. Uh, no, I don't, not, you know, no. You know, Hillary Clinton has been through this before. And... She'll get through this one again because she's an incredibly she's an incredibly hard fighter, and you know she she like what Bill Clinton used to say uh, that he fight uh, to the last dead dog, and that's how Hillary is too. She will fight, and Hillary's card, if she plays it right, is that. That proves to the American public that she is a fighter and that somehow, by hook or crook, she is going to get what she feels best is for Americans. And she will survive this because she survived everything else. It's like water off a duck's back. Okay. And um, continuing on, when we look at just now the field of Republicans, Jeb Bush, Scott Walker, Rand Paul, Marco Rubio, uh, possibly Ted Cruz or Donald Trump, Chris Christie, any of those people in a general election able to take her? Or is it going to be, do you think it is going to be close? Because at the end of the day, Republicans will come to the, the, the defense of the, uh, and vote for the Republican, even if that person is more right or left of where they'd like them to be. Well, yeah, I think you're right. America is so polarized. Democrats are going to vote for Clinton. Republican, it doesn't matter, and Republicans are going to vote for whoever runs against her. Uh, and it won't be a close presidential race because the nation is closely divided politically. But, you know, Hillary Clinton may have her problems, but look at the guys, they are guys for the most part, who are planning on running against her. I mean, there's Ted Cruz, uh, you know, who's a joke, really. Uh, there's uh, Jeb Bush, uh, who inherits the, all his brother's baggage, uh, and not all those Republican candidates, none of them are really anything to write home about. And I think what's going on here is that Republicans realize that they will not produce a strong candidate for president, and I don't think they will, and so their only hope of winning the presidential race is beating up on Hillary Clinton. And it now, now do, you think, do you think it's going to be very close because she's going to get the Hispanic vote, which is going to grow, the African-American vote, unsure, but I do think that women are going to cross over from the Republican side to vote for uh, this women, and I think some men will as well. I think, I think some Republicans will cross over to vote for her if the, if the pickings are as slim as we're looking at. Well, I, first of all, I think she's going to win. She, I think she's going to be the next president of the United States. Let me explain something. I tingle when you say that, okay? I just want you to know that. Go ahead. Well, yeah, and a lot of people do, Leslie. 
<laughs> a lot of people feel the same way. And when push comes to shove, she's a fighter. She'll fight through this. And I think But how close do you think it's going to be when more and more Americans don't want to align themselves with one political uh, party, don't want to be affiliated with that? Um, you know, may and we have more a crossover ideology in this country, as you know. More people on the right are uh, uh, liberal socially. More people on the left are conservative fiscally. And a lot of those people in between or, you know, those centrists, those independents, those moderates, um, you know, aren't they more likely to vote for a, a Hillary than certainly a more conservative candidate like a Scott Walker? Well, I think in the last analysis, yes. You see, basically what we have here, Leslie, is if you look at the American electorate, we have 45% of the voters who are going to vote for the Republican candidate, hell or high water. We have another 45% who are going to vote for Hillary Clinton, hell or high water. And what's important is though that remaining group of the 10% who are moderates and independents. And, yes, I think the Republicans are going to have a tough time appealing to those independents and moderates for the same reason they did in the last two presidential elections, because the moderates, they scare the Tea Party, the religious right, scares the bejesus out of them. Do you think this is going to be a landslide? Do you think she's going to get the kind of numbers that we saw Barack Obama get against Mitt Romney, or you think much tighter? Uh, I know. I think she could do what uh, Barack Obama did in 2012. Even though uh, some of those, even though some of those purple states are red, and some blue states may be purple, or some bl- more bl- coming coming to become blue states have have gone back to purple, at least in the midterm. You know, she may lose uh, a state like uh, uh, maybe Virginia uh, or maybe Florida, but the reality is. The Democrats are set up pretty well in the Electoral College uh, to uh, beat uh, Hillary Clinton. They're going to have to take away uh, a lot of states that have voted uh, for Democrats in the last two presidential elections. And that's not easy to do. The Electoral College math favors the Democrats. Uh, the demographic changes, as you mentioned just earlier, uh, favor the Democrats. There are going to be a lot more Latino voters in 2016 than there were in 2012. Uh, and those, you know, those gives Hillary Clinton, or whoever the Democratic candidate is, it's going to be her, uh, a natural advantage. And yet again, if you look at the field of Republican candidates, We're going to take a break when we come back. I have two more questions about that, and then I want to talk about the embarrassment of not only the GOP but our nation with that letter and the 47 senators, GOP senators, Republican senators who signed it. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon. Happy Friday. Back after this. And we are back. Welcome or welcome back. I'm Leslie Marshall in Los Angeles. He is Brad Bannon in Washington, D.C. Um, a couple of things. There are things coming out now, uh, Brad, just two more uh, about uh, the uh, Clinton thing. And um, – well, one is that Democrats say, announce you're running for president and this thing will go away. I think announce you're running for president, this thing continues on and gets bigger. She should delay as long as possible. Agree or disagree? Uh, Brad? I think she should have announced already. I think she would have been in a better position to respond to these charges if she had a campaign infrastructure around her. Uh, so, no, I think she's already late announcing and I would tell her to get going uh, because, you know, whenever you start a campaign, you know, whether it's for president or the city council, there are bumps at the beginning. 
and you need to work out the bumps before you get to prime time. And remember, the other thing is that the Iowa caucuses are only 10 months from now. So uh, the clock is ticking, time is wasting, and I think the sooner she announces, the better off she's going to be. Interesting. I feel the later because they're going to sling mud, and why have more mud slung, especially when it's yeah, clear know, that she, she, she's already got that. They're already throwing mud at her, and she, she, at least if she was actually a candidate, she'd be in a better position to respond. See, I don't see the difference. I mean, she has the money to have people advise her and to have the staff, even if it's more of a clandestine operation. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's the other thing. I mean, she's going to have be able to raise a ton of money. And because she will have a lot of ton of money, there's nothing that's going to prevent her, uh, for instance, uh, in doing, you know, massive uh, television buy uh, anytime she wants. I mean, none of the Republicans can do that. Maybe Jeb Bush could. Uh, they don't have the money. But she will have the money for a massive national uh TV advertising campaign, uh, and that would help her get over some of these bumps. I see. I see. Okay, more exposure on that level. Okay. And last about the emails. Um, Alex Altman from D.C., a correspondent for Time, he said that she and her team of lawyers decided which of those 60,000 emails on her personal server should be deleted based on simple keyword searches rather than a detailed inspection of each of the messages. And they say that law by law, any emails pertaining to official work as Secretary of State were supposed to have been copied into government servers for permanent records. And um, so there was an archives expert that told Time magazine that the methodology used by the Clintons team to determine which emails met the criteria for permanent and storage, quote, did not meet best practices. But that doesn't mean it was against the law. And they can always pull all this information, including those months and her entire time as Secretary of State, from the State Department server as well, correct? Uh, absolutely. And again, I know this is not going to happen. But if I was advising uh, Secretary Clinton, I would tell her to release everything and do it tomorrow. No, actually do it on a Friday night where no one's paying attention. Uh, and the reason is there may be some embarrassing things in the email, but there's also going to be a lot of stuff in the personal email that shows her uh, as a uh, as a wife and mother. And, she and, needs, Hillary, and, I, and I think we have both agreed before that in person she's very warm. She needs to come off more across that way on television. Uh, and yeah, and, the if, general and if people knew what she was thinking about while when Chase, Chelsea got married or when her mother died, that would help humanize her. Okay, um, let's uh, let's move on to uh, the president says he's embarrassed for GOP senators who signed the Iran letter, and Republicans are now feeling the heat over this letter. Uh, summary is, you know, I keep reading these things. Uh, Republicans express regrets. I don't see regrets from the forty-seven that signed. Do you? Uh, I, well, no one has, no, none of the, I mean, I mean, Senator Ron Johnson said, well, I might've done things differently if given another chance, which is pretty much what Hillary said about her server. Oh yeah. I agree with you. I mean, then for example, the only other Republican Senator I've heard comment on the letter, uh, was John McCain. And what his response was, Hey, I sign a lot of things basically, but what's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, what's really interesting is now some of the Republicans running for president, uh, who are not United States senators, are volunteering to sign the letter. Uh, Scott Walker in Wisconsin, uh, Bobby Jindal, uh, governor of Louis- 
Louisiana, Rick Perry in Texas, they all want to get their signatures on the letter. And the president writes, this is embarrassing. It's not only embarrassing to them, it's embarrassing to the United States of America. Uh, it, let's let's talk about also, you know, if in fact, I mean, you know, this isn't for me close enough to the election for this, you know, buffoon move, you know. But there are some people say 165,000, but I have seen others that say there's a petition with about two, almost 250,000 names uh, that want um, charges of treason to be brought against these 47. We're never going to see that right any more than we'll see an impeachment of former president or, or uh, would have no. seen an impeachment of Bush when he was president. No, uh, I don't think so. Uh, and, you know, I, I get the sense, you know, I mean, one of the other things that's happened in the wake of this letter is that newspapers all across the country, even red state newspapers, even the Wall Street Journal, uh, have criticized the 47 uh, Republican senators for signing this thing. And they're getting, there's a lot of backlash. And I personally think America, and I think Americans feel this way, it was irresponsible. Uh, to cut off the commander-in-chief's legs at the knees while he was negotiating uh, with a country like Iran. Uh, There are certain things in politics that cross the line that you should not do as much as you want uh, to hurt the other guy. And this is one thing. Not only did they undermine uh, our negotiations with the Iranians, but the Republican senators also failed to realize that we undermine not only our negotiating position, but the other countries for negotiating with us. With Germany, France, Britain, uh, we need China, that. Russia, for example. Brad, we're yeah. out of time.